Hello, friends, Pilates intrigued, and folks who just like listening to us talk about stuff. Welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where we're having rich conversations about the Pilates mindset, how people move and are moved, the way we think about one another and play together, how we form relationships, and a whole lot of other human-y things we're interested in. I'm James Crater, a constantly curious mind, self-proclaimed word nerd, and consummate student of toddler and animal movement. Joining me is my good friend slash co-host Chantel Lopez, who you'll be hearing from soon. The Thinking Pilates podcast is a passion project, created around ideas that inspire, provoke, encourage, and sometimes even challenge our beliefs around what is Pilates, and how does it fit into your life. If you're a Pilates lover, or someone who only knows it as that ab work class at the gym, we hope you'll stick around and explore some conversation with us as we hopefully help to expand the definition of Pilates. If you're loving what you're hearing, we appreciate your feedback. Shares on social media and the ever-important review on iTunes. And yup, you can also find us on Spotify for all your commuting needs. After the show, we'll give you some more details about how to connect with each of us and more about what we're up to individually. A bit of a warning. As much as we like playground movement, we love adult vocabulary. We hope you won't mind and that you enjoy all the other words in between. Too much to care. Hey everybody, it's Chantel and I am here with James and I am in um, sunny LA and that's making me super happy. I also have painted my fingernails red, that's making me happy. I'm talking (laughs) to James, that's about to make me super happy Um, and it's going to be a cool episode, something a little different than we've done before, kind of a debrief but way shorter um, like a little pause, uh, you know, a, a moment to take a deep breath and kind of digest some of the stuff that's come up in our recent conversations. And so James and I have decided to um, put out this idea of movement identity. And because we've been talking a lot about what is our work and kind of floating around that question a bit. Um, and so for me, it's about just kind of shifting view and shifting perspective and starting to ask some questions that hopefully will um, guide us toward some clarity because I think a lot of times what happens for all of us is a bit of confusion, which is obviously completely natural as we, you know, we evolve and then we, we are in it and we practice and then we make another leap in understanding or growth. So um, that's what we're going to do. James, what do you think about that? I think it's awesome. And just got done teaching a bunch of sessions. They all went really well. The good news yeah. is it's super beautiful here today, too. It's kind of oh, crisp good. outside but sunny. So it's one of those like really beautiful NorCal days. So, yeah, yeah it's really nice. And I awesome. do not have red nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> but you are making soap. You are making soap, correct? I, I, am, I have been making soap. I was telling Chantel I've... Uh, I have decided, I decided this year I was going to do like a DIY Christmas and um, I have this thing 
where sometimes I forget, <laughs> not in like, not in like an egotistical, like I can do everything, but like in a really <laughs> optimistic way of going like, oh, like you can just do like, you know, I can just do this and right. forgetting that Making I don't. soap should not be hard. <laughs> forgetting that I don't know how. And um, yeah, the, the first batch Ooh, I was like, uh, I love Lucy episode, <laughs> like a uh, true crime mystery thing. It did not, it did not go well. So my advice, if you're making soap, is to read a bunch of how-tos on how to make soap. Don't read, don't read just like one. Because I read one and they left out some really pivotal information. So like, oh, no. read, like a, read like a bunch of them and get a broad scope of how to make soap. Because mm. it's more complicated than one might think. Yeah, it's not hard. Like once you're doing it, it's not hard. But yeah, yeah. Turns out you well, just can't like do it. <laughs> <laughs> it takes more than basic knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you can't just go like, cool. Like I'm just gonna throw this shit together, and it's gonna be soap. Doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Good reminder. Good reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm going to make like a big, huge leap and draw a parallel here between making soap and, and discovering our movement identity, uh-huh. which I think uh-huh. might fall flat, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. There is, there is a little bit of um, similarity, I think, just in the way that I have been processing this. And, and I am kind of really deeply in this moment for myself in my work um, and a lot just in my life personally, which is... Um, you do like in the beginning of doing something right there is i think a lovely naivety and and clarity in mm-hmm. what we're doing and and that's appropriate and that's exciting and it allows like plenty of space for taking in new information but um but it takes time right and and you do you go out there and you learn a lot and you experience a lot and you practice a lot and you apply a lot and you refine a lot and uh, that's also exciting and rich and you know it's like where where we're just like getting to know ourselves in relationship to the thing and we're learning the language and we're adding our own language and we're kind of creating and and deepening and all of these things to to you know like then make soap right like to be able to yeah. have a thing yeah. that that we know yeah. is actually you know that we can call it something but unlike yeah. making soap I think that what happens often is that we, we we get confused along the way, and that also feels appropriate, like a part of what has to happen, right? Like kind of like breaking down to break through, you know, that whole thing, like the levels of mastery. But also, um, it doesn't have to happen. I think if we're asking ourselves the right questions early on about like, well, what what's guiding me, you know, what's guiding yeah. my choices. And yeah, that, that's, that's something I, I keep just circling around because, you know, in these wonderful conversations we've had, you know, we've talked to Amy and we've talked to Frank Frenzich and then we've had this really lovely conversation with Heather von Southerd and it's so uh, apparent that each of them is deeply clear in their own unique way about what they do. Um, but I've been thinking like, it's more than I'm, than I'm a Pilates teacher. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even for Amy, my experience is like, she's a Pilates teacher, but she's 
more than that. And what makes her more than that is, is this underlying sense of what she's committed to achieving. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that's interesting to me about talking about this is looking at how to answer the question, um, how, what is my movement identity? How do I identify myself within the realm of movement education or as a movement educator that is not about um, the modality that I use, yeah. uh, but it is about something more? And I don't think there's a right answer to this. I just think it is something that is important to get curious about for ourselves. Um, it could be philosophy, right, like the Pilates yeah. philosophy, like really digging into Joe's original intent, which I think is something that Amy has done. And we heard yeah. her speak about that. Um, but it could also be from, from my perspective, I work a lot of times from this place of like, what outcomes am I trying to achieve um, with my students, no matter how old they are, what their specific goals are, whether or not they have, you know, pathology or injury. And I find like that, that helps me create a very clear sense of identity in what I do. Not that yeah. I am just a Pilates teacher because that that feels like pigeonholing myself according to a modality, which is fine, but that's not what I'm choosing. So in any case, yeah. um, what what there's something else we were talking about. Well, what do you think? Like from for yourself, well, James, what do you? Yeah, there's there's a you? lot of. Yeah, there's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider there. And I had no intention when we were talking about this to make this a conversation about soap, but I'm going to go back to it for just a moment. Yeah, great. Um, the So again, I was like, I'm going to do this DIY project. And I'm going to make soap. And the first one did not, you know, it was like a soap volcano in, in my kitchen. <laughs> And, um, you know, there was a naivete there of, you know, an optimism of like, okay, I, I have a little bit of training here and here are all of the components for this thing. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, the, the outcome was not exactly as anticipated. So I did more research and I practiced again and the second batch came out better and I was like, okay, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a third one. And so the third one, I got a little um, I got a little ahead of myself, and was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I got this. I I done the research. I got the basic thing. I pulled up the. I, I found out there is apparently a soap calculator that will tell you all of the different things you need to go to. Nice. And so I did that, and I made it. And then it was like a little watery, and I realized I just got ahead of myself, and I didn't put in the beeswax. And so mm. I was just kind of you know, getting ahead of myself of where, of where I was at. And it was like the perfect example of like a learning process. Mm-hmm. You go into it and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. That did not turn out well. I'm going to get some information. That turned out good. Oh, I get a little mm-hmm. cocky. So I'm going to try this, go out a little. <laughs> I still don't know all the rules. I'm a little ahead of myself, kind of take a step back. And I think when we get into these conversations of like, what is your work? Um, you know, that's, it's a mental and philosophical consideration for those of us mm-hmm. who have been in the industry for a while. And we, we sometimes leave out the conversation of like, it is, um, there's so much benefit and so much to learn of just getting in and figuring out the rules 
and figuring out how other people have done it and mimicking mm-hmm. other people and copying Absolutely. and failing and succeeding. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, um, and I think what you've heard in those previous uh, podcast conversations with Frank and with Amy and with Heather and with us and with you know all the other seasons, is you're talking with people there who who have done it, who have uh, optimistically gone into the thing, failed, figured it out, failed again, figured it out, failed again, until you kind of go like, okay, I have a I have a broad sense of some rules here, and I kind of know what I'm doing. And so how am I going to do all of, how am I going to do what am I going to do with all of this doing this and create a body of work around it and therefore I have a movement identity I have a teaching movement identity I have a doing mm-hmm. movement identity and um and that to me is the conversation of um I think we're not I have not heard enough conversation uh, in in the greater well in the movement world in general of what am I doing versus what is my work mm-hmm. and I think all of us anyone in the fitness industry is teaching exercises and debate okay. me or not I have done a lot of research in my own body trying yoga trying powerlifting trying strength training trying running trying you know long long anecdotal case studies of like, I'm going to spend a year only lifting weights. I'm going to do a year of giving up all cardio. I'm going to do this. And quite honestly, what I found is there's no right way to move. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, just a bunch of options and everything, uh, everything has a place. Everything is on the spectrum of what is capable and there's information there for everything. And I think often in the Pilates world, what we get caught up in is that our movement modality is the full spectrum. Like all you ever need to do is Pilates. All you, and like it will cure cancer. It's magic. <laughs> and, you know, that's a con- that's a line of thought out there that I've seen come up over and over and over again. Like this is, this is the end all be all of movement. And I think it's a huge, like there's so much value in the Pilates method. And there's mm-hmm. so much information there. And I think it actually dumbs it down if you try to spread it out too broadly. And instead mm-hmm. going like, this is what Pilates is really, really good at. And the fact of the matter is whether you're teaching contemporary or you're teaching classical or you're teaching this pedigree, this lineage, whatever it is, that we're all just teaching Pilates. And we're all mm-hmm. getting the body to move in these really interesting ranges of motion. And so that's universal. It's sort of like when you go to the bank and like all of the bankers there are dealing with some sort of financial transactions. But you have tellers who are doing this job with it, and then you have home loan people that are doing this job with it, and retirement specialists that are doing this. And so how do you take this body of exercise movement stuff and then bring yourself into the picture? Like what is it mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. find interesting? How do you, how do you see it? in the greater scope of what is important to you, what has been right. important to you as a mover, and where do you go? Because I, I think the argument that I've seen come up over and over and over again is like who's doing it right and who, mm-hmm. which way is the right way. And um, if I separate myself from this doingness of it, like am I still a Pilates instructor? I don't know. Maybe. maybe I don't know. But if we can learn to take this exercise movement stuff 
and then have a, have create a space for us to inject what we're interested in. I think that is the body of work. Like that creates the movement identity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and the the one thing that jumps out immediately is just that this the offering in the conversation that we're having is is to shift the perspective to um, just looking at who we are and what we do differently, right? And not yeah. needing it yeah. to be right. So let's just take yeah. that out of the equation. And I know that we have been having a variety, like various forms of this conversation, but just take take it out altogether. Like just everybody right now, close your eyes and literally exhale the word right and wrong. Like just, it's, let's just pretend that that's not a thing that can actually be true. Like it's not, because maybe it's not actually a thing that could be true in my opinion. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so let's just say it's not, you know, and so it's not about right or wrong. It's about, um, it, it's about, I think, prioritizing for yourself. And, and this has been my part of my process. It's like, I, I am clear and clearer all the time because I'm inquiring, right? Like I'm asking the questions because I'm really interested to know and to not be confused because I love what I do and I want to always be better at it. I don't want to be more right at it. I want to be better mm-hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I, sure, I teach Pilates. And from my yeah. specific perspective, I am a teacher of teachers through Balanced Body. So, so it's like, okay, and I teach, I just full on teach Pilates. You know, it's like I have the pedigree and all of the things. So, but it is not like if I if I was to write a list of my priorities, the, my identity priorities, like what I consider myself, Pilates is not at the top of the list. So yeah. it just means to me that means I identify as a Pilates teacher, but it is not all that I am, and it's not potentially the thing that I'm going to introduce myself as. I mean, and certainly that. That depends on context and audience, but um, I do a lot of it, and I have a, a deep understanding of it, and I use it, and I use variations of it, and I use the philosophy of it, but there are a lot of other things that that are above that for me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's interesting, like, can we just step back and start to say, it's not, I can be a Pilates teacher, and I can be lots of things. You know, I can do yeah. lots of other things, but where in my list of identities, um, which is obviously reflected of, reflective of the tools that we're using, where, where does that stand, you know, like in the hierarchy of, of how I uh, see myself? Um, and then, of course, that then translates into the, what we do day, daily, right? How we, mm-hmm. the things that we do, how we interact with our students, the tools that we're applying and it influences the the philosophy or the vision of what our work is. And, you know, they're not separate, but that they are kind of, I see it kind of like my movement identity or what my work is are, are, are the big umbrella. They're like how I organize and, um, you know, uh, synthesize information and decide whether or not I want to use it or I don't want to use it or when it's useful or when it's not as useful. Yeah. Um, and then, right, and so then that's informing my choices of what I do in the studio on a daily basis. Yeah. So I just think that's, for me, two things. It's like, one, 
if you're listening to this and you're just thinking like, holy hell, what, what is this? Like, <laughs> what I have to do this? Like, I have to do this? Like, is this important really to me? I wanted to say, you do not have to be precious about this. It's just about asking some questions and getting curious about, do you really know what you do? And are you really doing yeah. what you want to do? Um, yeah. Because if you're invested in being a movement educator, then I feel like that's maybe an important thing to, you know, to to start to, to dive into. So, But it does not have to be, you know, it does not have to be about, like, what is my work and and how am I going to brand it and how am I going to, you know, shine above the rest? Like, I'm not, like, if that's your jam and that's the path you're on, yeah. super, super, super. And and then, of course, it's important, but it doesn't have to be like that. It can also just be this really kind of sweet and subtle thing that you have an experience of, but you have to deliberately consider. Um, and I do think that when we consider these things, even on this kind of more casual level, we our work improves and yeah. our level of fulfillment improves. And my daily experience after having gone through lots and lots of iterations of my work and loving it and despising it and liking it a little and being totally neutral about it, I love it a lot right now and it is incredibly fulfilling. So every yeah. session feels like it gives me as much as I give. And I think yeah. that that is a, that's like, if we're talking about like the real value and, and doing this kind of just, you know, like thinking about this for ourselves is if you feel exhausted at the end of the day, repeatedly over and over and over again, and then at the end of the week and the end of the month, and you're not feeling like you're getting what you really need back from teaching, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah. that, that's a problem. And I well, think that sort this, of, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I think that this questioning, you know, getting curious about this, um, is a, uh, it fixes that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not like a yeah. magic pill, but it definitely, it definitely addresses that and can shift that. So, I mean, that's feels motivating to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the word, uh, we've been sort of dancing around the word, and then it was finally just said. To me, it comes down to value systems. Right. And mm-hmm. what am I finding valuable? And in my teaching, and in my doing, and in my work. And uh, sometimes it's like best told in, in real life examples. So if we're going to take the Pilates movement system, and, you know, if I'm going to teach someone, I, I always pick the teaser and I feel so bad. I like pick on the teaser all the freaking time. and I just do. So if I'm going to teach someone the teaser, um, I can find it valuable that the teaser looks like an archetypal teaser, like the silhouetted thing that appears on so many logos. And that's my value system. Like if it doesn't look like that, it's, it's, I didn't teach it right. It wasn't done right. I didn't do it right, whatever it is. Or I can shift the value system and I could say, well, the teaser recruits, you know, this leg, these leg muscles, these abdominal muscles, these arm muscles, and your breath does this. And that's a different value system. And so my teaching then and my body of work begins to reflect, reflect well, I'm finding it valuable when people find these portions of their body and utilize these portions of their body 
Or, I mean, and there's infinite ways to look at this. You could also find it valuable that someone has conquered their fear of lifting themselves off the floor and kind of balancing on mm-hmm. their butt. And mm-hmm. that's a different value system. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it can look so many different ways, but we're all doing the same thing, right? We're all mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. this thing that, in, uh, whether it's abstracted or, you know, archetypal, it's still the teaser. It's still that mm-hmm. movement, that gesture. I just find it valuable to teach from the lens of this, and you find it valuable to teach from the lens of that. And, you know, it then creates a body of work when you get really clear what your value system is. And that value system will change over time. It might mm-hmm. change daily. It might change student to student. And it can change if you read something, watched something, found something in your own movement practice. Um, and so, again, that that's like the whole, for me, the whole reason of designing this season of curiosity and circulating around considerations and exploration is I don't know where inspiration is going to show up. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to mm-hmm. shift my value system. I don't know, um, you know, what uh, what my students are going to walk in with. And, you know, sometimes they want, mm-hmm. you know, they're finding this valuable today or this valuable in this season of life. And then that, that shifts and changes. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think making yeah. ourselves available to that, um, to that exploration, to that consideration, creates um, a space for us to bring ourselves into it. And for me, yes, uh, my value system is more and more and more and more and more explicitly about people being with people. Mm-hmm. And I truly, truly, truly believe how we approach our relationships with our own body, our relationships with with our movement practice, our relationships with environment are directly connected to relationships with other people, directly related to relationships with culture in infinite numbers of ways, all the way from like these anecdotal philosophical things to like Vegas nerve, hard science. That's this exactly is what your right. nervous system does. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like if we can begin, my value system is how do I be with people and encourage people to be with people, even if that person is themselves. And how well, especially we, if that person, I mean, especially, right? Yeah. The person yeah. with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I'm finding more and more and more value in the words um, movement experiencing more than mm-hmm. movement doing. And mm-hmm. how do I make myself available for the experience of, of what is going on? so that I can intake more and I have options. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, for me, that's a very real world example of like my work versus, you know, the doingness of it. Cause if you looked at it, some days it looks like I'm teaching Pilates and some days it looks like I'm just having people roll around on the ground and make weird Mm -hmm. shapes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's one thing uh, that, that I, I think maybe is worth reiterating, which is, your value system will change and it it doesn't change tons I find, but we get clearer and clearer about it. And then there's a little bit of shifting um, that happens, but you, as you, it's like, as that changes, as that morphs, as that becomes more clear, you can still call yourself a Pilates teacher. I, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that like, if that's important to you and you've put all this money and time and hard work and you, you value the method, 
Like because your underlying core commitments or values of, of who you are as a human being and, and how, you, how you are of service through your work, you don't have to stop calling yourself a Pilates teacher. Like I'm not ever going to stop calling myself a Pilates teacher, even yeah. if, if that identity, that particular identity, you know, falls lower on my list. And, and I think that some teachers, um, you know, what I hear is like, and when I say what I hear is my, what I sense and like the vibe, right. Of the community yeah. so much yeah. is like, yeah. I need to return to the classical. Like I feel yeah. like people are turning toward the classical work and the classical equipment and, and all of this as, like with sheer desperation to yeah. identify, to feel confident in their identity. And yeah. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's totally great. It's fine. It's not a judgment, but it's like you can, your value system can change or be something different than somebody else's and you can still call yourself a Pilates teacher. And we're talking about both your personal value system, but also your, your work value system, right? Which in my work, in, like in the work that I do through skillful teaching and mentoring and coaching teachers is like, the goal is that you and your work are not separate. Yeah. Exactly. When you are, when you are living divided in that way, it creates a lot of suffering and a lot of um, unnecessary efforting and a lot of pushing and a lot of um, like um, the kind of questioning that like obliterates confidence. And so it's, it, it's just so interesting to me, you know, I just think it's worth saying and, and, and exploring for yourself. What are my values as a human? How do I bring that to my work? And that I can have those things. I can become clear about those things. I can teach from that place. I can develop my work from that place, whatever that looks like. And I can still call myself a Pilates teacher. Yeah. I just think you don't have to like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, it's terrible. That's terrible. You know, what is it? It's a terrible cliche thing to say, but you know, I mean, it just feels, you know, like don't sweat it. You don't have to stop calling yourself a Pilates teacher because you touch people or because maybe you only teach Pilates a little bit at the time. And you don't have to use the word Pilates, you know, we could exchange it for anything. Yeah. It's, um, you know, also about creating, and if you find yourself in that, to begin to surround yourself with a community of people who are um, supportive and encouraging and help you to sort of make that leap into um, settling into yourself in your work versus mimicking or getting stuck in the doing this process because I know plenty of classical instructors who are bringing themselves to the table. And, you know, from the outside perspective, it's like, uh, it's a very, I would imagine it would be like stepping into Joe's studio. You know, the rhythm mm-hmm. is the same. It's, it's there. But the vibe is like that, that teacher is showing up. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's, it's explicitly, because again, the doing this, whether it looks like A, B, or C, or whatever, we're all essentially doing the same thing. Like there's, there's X number of ways that the human body can move. There's X number of environments, you know, like my reformer shapes a little bit differently than your reformer, but 
it's a reformer, one's not a Nordic track, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're all doing the same thing. The environment is very, very, very similar. And what's different is who I am as a teacher and who you are. And I think the more clear we get on that, and in fact, the more niche you get with that, where it's like, this is really what I'm interested in, it actually generates more students coming into your studio. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't do the opposite. It doesn't do, and I, think, and I think on a more macro level, if we could begin to do that with the Pilates method, where it's like, this is what the Pilates method is actually really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would actually find more people invited into the method versus like, oh, if you're not doing Pilates, you're wrong, or limiting mm-hmm. it to core strength or stretch or whatever it is, right? If we could get really, really specific and really, really invested in like, well, what are the things that even just the 34 mat exercises are really good at doing? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then understanding that that's a portion of the movement diet. And so is mm-hmm. walking and so is swimming and so is lifting heavy things. Mm-hmm, and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. And then the same is true with, like, who you are as a teacher, right? Like, this is what I have found, like, as I have uh, progressed in my, in my work, I am now explicitly clear when a new student comes in. Like, this is what I do. These are, this is the mindset that does really well in my studio. And are you interested in that? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it gets really, really explicit and very, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversation there. A, because you're going to have conversation with me for the rest of the time that you're here in my studio. Like, mm-hmm. conversation is a part of the gig. And, you know, I think students, I have not found anyone that, um, you know, was bamboozled by that. <laughs> and I have not lost any, you know, and I have not lost any business because of it, right? It's like you get really, really clear. And I hope, and, and, and that also begins to define your work outside of, of you, right? Like it's, had, had we been having this conversation three years ago, even probably a year ago, it would have been very hard for anyone outside of me to even have a conversation about what my work is because I hadn't really mm-hmm. talked about it. You know, I, mm-hmm. it was still the doing this that I would in, invite people in with. So like, oh, we're going to do some Pilates and do this. And now I'm just way more clear about having conversations about people and about how movement affects that and what I'm interested in in my work and how mm-hmm. I teach and what I teach and, and the like. And, you know, then that becomes the marketing too. Like my students are now able to go out and say, Hey, not only are we doing, you know, uh, you know, reformer work, but we're also doing this. Like mm-hmm. we're helping, like there's getting clear around that is not, um, there's a huge return on investment for getting much clearer about what your yeah. work is. Yeah. I mean, we hear that a lot, right? I mean, I'm, I'm listening to a book called Essentialism and it's great mm-hmm. and it's nothing new. It's the 80-20 rule, you yeah. know, Pareto's yeah. law. And it's also, um, you know, there's a great book by a guy named, uh, what's his first name, something Keller, um, called The One Thing. And, you know, it, it is, it is um, we have been talking about, and I often say this, like, in, you know, our conversations, James, in the studio and just hanging out, like, about not being confused. And I have written yeah. about that and talked about that. And, um, 
and I often say it like kind of tongue in cheek, you know, but it, but the truth is I, I, I don't feel confused. And, and that's not like I'm better than you because I'm not confused and I think you are. But it, what it really reflects is, uh, is this potency that you're talking about, you know, where mm-hmm. you are, you mm-hmm. narrow and you narrow and you narrow because you get clear about your values. You go, yes, this, not that. Yes, this, not that. Like maybe this I'll have to see. Definitely not that because I know that doesn't fit. Definitely yeah. this. It's like that. Yeah. I yeah. tell my teachers, like, you've got to get tunnel vision a little. Like, you've got to just yeah. come in and come in and come in. And, and it does create potency. And it's also, it's, it's, it's efficient, right? It's a conservation of energy. And yeah. you're talking about being explicit with your students. This is something where I'm teaching the teachers all the time. It's like, you have got to be able to, like, how are you going to have that initial conversation and say exactly what you expect of them? And to ask them what they expect of you. Like, the yeah. more explicit you can be, the better it is for everybody. And I was just having this conversation not too long ago um, about this and feeling like um, when you are in this place, and, and you can get to this place even early on in your teaching. I think it's mm-hmm. different, but you can. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can be narrowly focused and you can get clear and you can be explicit. It's just that your toolbox is a bit smaller and your experiential range is a bit smaller, but that doesn't matter at all. It's just a different, like what you're clear about is slightly different. But um, that when you do that, you, as you say, James, the experience is people who come to work with you, they, they're in. Like there's yeah. no... You know, and 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 they're on board. You know, yeah, and they're on board. And you begin to, you really do. It's true what they say. They being like, you know, the business people and the marketing buffs and the choose your avatar and all that kind of, uh, you know, the jargon about, um, you know, our perfect, who's our audience, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. When you're clear and you're not confused, it at any level, you do attract the perfect students. And yeah. And then your explicit questioning and your explicit conversations in the beginning acts like that one fail-safe that you need to not waste your time or their time. And if they're like, yeah, I I mean, I'll give this session a chance, but I don't think that this is what I'm going to be into. It's like, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. You know, maybe I can make a referral for you. Done and done. You move on, they move on, and it's just better for everybody. I mean, it's... It's a lovely, there is a lovely potency in it and just to narrow and narrow your field, like literally start to put your blinders on to things, new things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean stop being curious, obviously, but there, there is a moment where you, you can't just keep adding new tools and be confused because then you are more confused and that's the only thing. You just are more confused. Well, it's also an, an invitation for, um, you know, here, here are the tools, which is the doingness of it. And so how am I now going to show up as a human being and as a teacher and actually use the tools to create a body of work? <laughs> and, you know, we're not just waxing poetic around this. Like, Chantal <clears throat> and I not only do the podcast together, but we work in the same space. So frequently we are watching each other. We are getting the opportunity to see how our students are interacting and sort of the vibe mm-hmm. of it. 
Mm-hmm. And the studio suites we work in is very small, and um, the energy is always, even on days that one of us or all of us in the space is <laughs> off, like, the energy is just light. Like, mm-hmm. we work a lot, whether it's with client hours or doing all the other things we do. Like, we're not, we're not foreign to the concept of work, so we're often mm-hmm. tired, but it's mm-hmm. like a physical tired. It's not an energetic tiredness. Right. And right. so all of this is possible. And it's possible at um, a lot of levels. And I watch you do it. I'm hoping you watch me do it. Absolutely. And, you know, we just kind of show up and there's a different vibe. It's like I know my craft. I know, I'm mm-hmm. not confused about the work. And mm-hmm. so that creates the opportunity for me to show up as me in this context and it's like that's, that's right that's no work that's no work at all it's that's absolutely right. no work for me to just right. show up um and be with people and then have this pilates thing sort of happening while mm-hmm. we're together yeah and, and it is it, it is light and it is not an energetic suck it's like so um i know it can sound like a pollyanna fairy tale and when mm-hmm. I was having this conversation recently with another teacher, I, I honestly felt a little embarrassed by how much I was gushing about loving teaching. And I was like, yeah. just listen to yourself, lady. You sound like a <laughs> wacko. <laughs> like nobody's going to believe you. you know? Yeah, you're but in a cult. You're in a cult, Chantel. Right. That's right. <laughs> what drugs is she on? No, I, because I've been, I've been to all the other places of suck. I have been yeah. to yeah. totally exhausted and overwhelmed and hating every second of it. it. But when, so here, here would be like my one piece of unsolicited advice is start with yourself. Like really yeah. what we're talking about is yeah. not even yeah. movement identity. We're talking about identity. identity. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then, but then the thread is, and the, and the, the linking is the values, right? Like mm-hmm. we talk, the language we use in the mentoring program is core commitments. And this is something that comes from kind of the yogic meditation, Buddhist philosophy, you know, space. But core values, um, you know, values, core commitments, like they're, it's all the same thing. What, what are you most committed to as a human being? Like how do yeah. you want to live? How do you want to experience other people? How do you want other people to experience you? Not by putting on a, a false face, but like how do you want to interact with people? And I, I just, you know, I've been teaching long enough. I've been doing this work in lots of different ways for long enough that I just am, it's reaffirmed for me over and over and over again that when I feel clear about who I am and what's important to me, my work is not work, as you say, you know, it's just, and then it allows me to get clear about what I do want to do and what is in alignment with my values and what's not, I can make those decisions much more readily. Um, And that's a relief too. And that is energy conservation. And when you are in service to others, and the for me, it feels like I'm in service with others, which is important. It's a, an important um, uh, uh, what's the what the heck is the word? It's difference to point mm-hmm. out for heaven's mm-hmm. sake. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't. It's a lot, right? We all know that. Yeah. We all know that teaching is a lot of output, 
But yeah. you can absolutely manage that output when you just are standing really firmly in this place of who you are and what you bring to the table and what you don't. And I'll just say this yeah. last thing before we maybe wrap things up, which is yeah. a, a lot of us are, are are doing this, approaching ourselves and, and our lives this way, I think, more and more, which is to recognize your weaknesses and the things that you don't want to do and things you don't love and the things that, you know, don't really spark a flame for you and, and put them down. Like nobody said you had to be good at everything. It's, that's a fallacy Mm -hmm. that's just going to keep you, you know, spinning your wheels. Like just focus on what you're really good at and what you love and what lights you up and then let your, you know, like occupy that space and you do conserve energy. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty important, yeah. I think. Well, and while while uh, our intentions around this conversation were never about plugging something, uh, I will say if you feel like you need it, need to be guided, witnessed, coached through this process, Chantel has a wonderful mentorship program through Skillful Teaching, and I in 2019 will be doing my first ever mentorship program. And so I'll be taking on some people as well. So you can contact either one of us and um, we would love to help you along the journey because this is an interesting thing for us. This is part of our work um, Mm -hmm. and we find this is just really interesting for us. Believe it or not, guys, like these are literally the conversations we have over whiskey. Like, yes. And then, and then, <laughs> and sometimes and coffee, others. but and, and soap, <laughs> soap making and existentialism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gosh, it's perfect. It sounds like a lovely afternoon, yeah, including yeah. the soap volcano. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of, we are overdue for a drinking date. So we'll yes, meet we you are. guys. And then you and I are going to meet up for a little holiday date here soon. I can't wait. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait. Well, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for being interested and being curious and for your continued support of the podcast and the conversations we're having. Um, we want to hear from you. So reach out to us. You can do all of that on the Thinking Pilates uh, website, which is thinkingpilates.com. And, of course, we, um, we're really so grateful for your feedback and your reviews on iTunes and all of that good stuff that keeps us going both mentally, emotionally, and literally. So, my dear friend, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. All right.